Has it ever occurred to you just how incredible grapes are? Now think about it. That little box of raisins your mother packed in your lunch bag was the only fruit that qualified as a dessert. And consider this. When we hear juicy gossip, we say we heard it through the grapevine. We didn't hear it through the apple tree or the berry bush. Grapes are so darn special that the grocery store expects us to snitch a few to ensure quality control. Try doing that with a banana or a pineapple. Admit it, every encounter you've ever had with grapes has been positive. That's why we created Grape Encounters, a place for adults to hang out and focus on the paramount achievement of grapedom. Delicious, irresistible wine. Wine brings people together. It starts conversations. It makes us happy. In fact, wherever there are grapes, there's gorgeous scenery, very cool people, and plenty of laughter. All that being said, let's bring out your guide for this journey. The Wizard of Wine, the Gangster of Grape, David Wilson. I am thrilled to death, well, not death, but close to death, to have the guest on that I have on today because she and I started out in the world kind of the same way. We were both members of 4-H and she ended up getting a better job than I got. <laughs> tell you that. We're going to talk about California grapes again, but we're going to go way beyond grapes. We're going to talk about grapes, artichokes, maybe we'll throw in pistachios, you name it, anything that's grown in California. And last I counted, there were 463 crops, I think, that are grown there. But my guest today, she's a real heavyweight, and that doesn't mean that she won a hamburger eating contest either. She is the Secretary of California's Department of Food and Agriculture, Karen Ross. And you said I don't have to call you Madam Secretary, Karen. Please don't call me Karen. Very good. We're on the same page now. Well, gosh, we have so much to talk about. And of course, we are a wine show, so there's going to be a wine slant. And as is always the case with wine, if you have enough of it, you will slant after a little while. But you had a pretty interesting job a while back. You were very much focused on grapes, specifically winemaking grapes. And then you ended up becoming the Secretary of California Department of Food and Ag during Jerry Brown's administration first. Yes, but not his first one. Exactly. Hey, in his second administration, did he sleep on a mattress on a bare floor or did things change? Remember, he was a married man by then. Okay. So first of all, let's talk about your background because you were a 4-H'er. I was a 4-H'er and I raised chickens. Now, what was your gig? Well, my dad was a cattle rancher and farmer. So of course, I took calves and made me sad to think about where he was going at the end of the fair and the sale. So I just stuck with cooking and sewing and doing demonstrations. And it's what I did in 4-H. <laughs> Still know the pledge, do you, David? I pledge my head to clear thinking, my heart to greater loyalty, my hands to larger service, and my health to better living. Do you remember that pledge? Well, yeah, now that you mention it, I do remember it. I do remember it. Yeah, that was always the dilemma, wasn't it, Karen, with 4-H? It was fun when you got your calf, you got your animals, and then you took the animals to the fair and you found out the animal was going to go on the block. Yeah, and you grow up on farms, you know about seasonality and the cycles of life, but this one special. It's almost like a pet, right? <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I don't want to take too much of our time, but I'll just tell you, my brother had a sheep in the fair and his animal did not do that well. So he brought it back home and my father informed him that the lamb would be dressed out. And so none of us could take it. So we all went down to the neighbor's house and the truck came and they do it there on the site, right? And he also had a ewe that was kind of a a prize ewe. But anyway, when the truck took off, my brother went to console himself by going and spending a little time with his prize ewe. The only thing was the prize ewe was gone. They took the wrong one? They took the wrong one, yeah. I... We were all emotionally scarred from that time forward, and I don't think any of us continued on in the 4-H. But anyway, you really are a farm girl, though, right? You grew up in Nebraska, is that correct? That's correct. I grew up in western Nebraska. My brother farms the farm that my husband and I own that's part of the family operation. Yeah. And you've got quite a bit of land there, and you wound up in California. How? How did that happen? Oh, my husband took the job that he always wanted And so I moved out here. I spent a number of months looking for a job because I didn't have California experience. And I just was very fortunate through doing some volunteer work in the capital. I met the people who became my first employer. And the rest is history, so they say. I fell in love with California agriculture. I worked really hard to learn about it. And the farmers and ranchers of the state have been my teachers. Wow. And then how did you specifically become associated with the wine grape growers? Did you have any experience with wine or grapes before that? What was the scoop there? Of course, I'm from the state of Nebraska. Of course, I had wine grapes. <laughs> right. It was really through my policy work. I had been representing farmer-owned cooperatives. They did a national search that my predecessor had been only the second president of the organization for 25 years, and they wanted someone for policy, advocacy, and working across the entire wine sector in collaborative ways. And I guess I just talked my way into the job. So as we talk about grapes and and wine in particular from California, one of the things that sometimes my listeners will get a little irritated with me because they say I talk too much about California wine. And I have to point out to them that pretty much every single glass of wine that they drink is probably from California, or at least there's a pretty good chance, like, you know, a 90% chance that it did come from California. And then they sort of get off my case, even though they think we're a little weird out here, you know, but they'll put up with that to have really great wine. And even though I've talked about for 14 years, pretty much exclusively grapes, The fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter what crop you're talking about, California really pretty much leads the nation, does it not? California has been the number one ag producing state in this country since the United States Department of Agriculture has kept records. So for more than 60 years, and we are the most high value crops are produced here the widest diversity of crops that are produced here. Um, and so it's a pretty it's a pretty magnificent miracle of what happens in California agriculture because we've got this climate that allows us to grow so many high quality fresh fruits and vegetables, tree nuts, fabulous wines. If we were a country, California would be the fourth largest wine producer in the world. Um, we just have the diversity of the landscape, the people, the resources, and the innovation to do it with the best quality. So that is why we are talking today because October has been named California Farmer and Farm Worker Month. And I think it is great that you folks are honoring the farmers and the farm workers because, you know, we talk so much, especially uh, during this COVID period, 
about people who are on the front lines. And I think a lot of people forget to talk about the farm workers and the farmers. They made huge sacrifices as well. And had they not, we would have starved to death, you know, through the entire COVID experience, or at least we'd have lost a lot of weight, you know, something. Yeah. I mean, think about all of us were home. And so we started really focusing on what are we going to eat? What am I going to cook? Going to the store. And remember how exciting that was or going online. And the neat thing about California Grown is that as as a campaign to bring all the commodities together to really connect with our consumers, we have tons of resources to help consumers support California agriculture in all the ways that we served during the COVID, including increasing our contributions to food banks at a time that demand for food through food banks skyrocketed. So pretty proud of what the sector has done. I hadn't even thought about that, but that is such an interesting point. We're talking to Karen Ross. She's the Secretary of California's Department of Food and Agriculture. It is California Farmer and Farm Worker Month. And I think you're going to just find this fascinating as we dig into this a little bit deeper, just how enormous what California produces is. I mean, it's it's actually staggering. And, uh, you know, even as I looked at some of the numbers, I, and I've lived here my whole life, I went, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. So uh, we'll dig into some of that. And then we're going to also get into some tough topics as well, because we're not going to let you off that easy, right? <laughs> I wouldn't want it any other way. All right. We're going to be back in just a second with more Grape Encounters. Stay right with us. Walk into Total Wine and & More and you may just pinch yourself. With over 13,500 hand-picked wines, spirits, and beer, there's something delicious to discover around every corner. And their friendly guides are right by your side, eager to help you pick up the slack in your wine rack or recommend a bottle or two to match your menu. A crisp Pinot Grigio pairs with shrimp scampi or even potato salad. Bold cabs with balanced tannins bring out the best in Korean short ribs and a bacon cheeseburger. Sip a sparkling rosé when you're serving salmon any which way. When it comes to what's in store, you'll find all your faves, always at the best prices in town. So what'll it be today? Choose curbside pickup, in-store pickup, shipping or delivery. Explore more in store or at TotalWine.com. You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. We offer something for everyone. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to offer free wine. That's what your friends are for. Have I got amazing news for the winemakers and grape growers across America who listen to Grape Encounters. Pure Fresh Wine's patented O3 technology provides unique benefits to your wine by treating grapes pre-crush. It removes sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides, reduces bad bacteria and mold, helps limit and avoid stuck fermentations, increases the content of health-promoting still beans, improves taste, color, ripening, and stability, and pre-cools grapes for an improved fermentation process. The O3 naturally turns into oxygen when the process is finished. So Pure Fresh Wine System does all this without any chemicals or residue. Pinot Noir had better expressed phenolic profiles, and wines with drier, more angular tannins attained softer and more fruit-forward characteristics, improving the wine's approachability. 
Ready to have your best harvest yet? Visit purefreshwine.com today. Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. The more you click, the more I'll pour. Gosh, I have got such a biggie on today. I really was very excited when I got the opportunity to talk to Karen Ross, Secretary of California's Department of Food and Agriculture. You know, I don't want to make you sound old, Karen, but you've been around the block. You've had some pretty interesting jobs, including Chief of Staff for U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vislak, and he was Secretary under President Obama, and then took a little time off to get a little sunshine, right? Yeah, do some vacationing and then came back under President Biden. I, I want to know the truth. Are you secretly gunning for his job? <laughs> he does it so well. I would never pretend to do that. I feel like I've got the best job in the world being able to serve California. So I'm very happy where I am. But thanks for asking, David. Somehow I didn't expect to get a yes to that question. Although you can safely say that you oversee the second largest piece of ag real estate in the country right? He's number one, you're number two. Oh, as far as institutions. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with that. Okay. How many people work underneath you at the state's food and agricultural department? So it's approximately 2,100 people. That includes seasonal employees compared to USDA that has over 100,000 employees. It's a big entity compared to little old CDFA. It is a big entity. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the state of California. I have been absolutely sickened by the drama that has been created by fires and drought and so many things that we're contending with. We're going through a difficult time. We're not even going through it. We're just getting into it right now. How do you deal with this? Because obviously a big part of your job, I imagine, has to be figuring out how to adapt to where the world is going right now. And you, I imagine, absolutely have to take it more serious than almost anything else in your job right now. Talk to me about it. Absolutely. First of all, I have a passion about environmental stewardship. Um, The way I was raised doing conservation practices as the best way to take care of the land so the land will take care of us. So I come to this job with that kind of environmental ethic, as well as you know, growing up in the middle of nowhere, being able to connect what we do to consumers' enjoyment, which is why I just love California Grown and being able to celebrate this month for farmers and farm workers. So when I came into this job, it was a real opportunity to look at how do we support agriculture in adapting to climate change and ensuring that we can have food security because 
we're on the front edges of climate change. You just talked about wildfires, and we know about things like wildfire smoke and taint, what that did to a lot of our crops. We talk about drought and the ability to continue to grow food under really trying circumstances. Higher temperature days and heat days, when we have farm workers out in the fields during really extenuating circumstances. So we created a consortium just to, just to learn how were the farmers and ranchers thinking about climate change or extreme weather events probably is a more accurate way of how farmers really yeah. think about that. We laid out a roadmap of actions for research as well as what we could do with practices on the land. And here's the optimistic Karen that you're always gonna hear about. Farmers and ranchers can lead on solutions by our land practices, by, by improving our soil health, drawing down carbon, building that organic matter in our soils. We can sequester carbon, not only lower our own greenhouse gas emissions, but sequester carbon to be part of the solution and increase our drought resiliency and our temperature resiliency and our climate resiliency. We have, through the work at the state level, through the investment of cap and trade dollars, we've invested almost $2 billion in the transition of agriculture to low-carbon economy. We have a healthy soils incentive program, on-farm water use efficiency program, methane reduction programs, replacement of older dirty engine programs. We are supporting our farmers and ranchers in making this transition and helping to create solutions because of how we manage our land and the very farming practices that we use to sequester carbon and help resolve this tremendous challenge that's facing us. Well, one of the things that I am really moved by is how well the wine producing industry, how well they've done in terms of the challenge of operating sustainable wineries, sustainable vineyards. I mean, if you went back 20 years ago when that sustainability program began. And then you look now, it's harder now to find vineyards and wineries that aren't sustainable versus those that are. I'm really proud of the work that um, wine grape growers and vintners did early on. They truly have been leaders, not only here in the state of California, across the nation, as well as setting some standards globally and bringing others into embracing these practices for our long-term sustainability, you know, investing in the research to help us find solutions when we don't have them. It's a remarkable tribute to the really innovative people that we have and the understanding that for future generations to be able to grow and enjoy what we do today, this is absolutely necessary to ensure that opportunity for future generations. What I have brought as a state official, because we have the investments that are available from our cap and trade program, is investment for voluntary practices, cost sharing for those practices, technical assistance and demonstration projects so that we can rapidly scale up the practices that we know will work not only to fight climate change, but to improve productivity and improve life for all of our neighbors and all of us who enjoy that long-term food security. So you you touch upon something that I think is such an important aspect of sustainability, which is that it's not just about what we grow and how we grow it, but I'm going to come back full circle to the reason that we're talking today. We're also talking about sustainability in terms of the people who 
are working the land, who are making a living off of the land and making sure that we've got the best possible fruit and vegetables and meat and dairy on on the table. And I think people forget about the fact that sustainability doesn't stop at that head of lettuce that's sitting in the produce department. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that more in just a second, but we do have to take a little break because I, I just want to have a, a few carrot sticks and celery. Make you hungry. And then I was thinking maybe a couple of prunes as well. Go for it. Karen Ross, Secretary of California's Department of Food and Agriculture. She's been in this job for a pretty long time. She has been doing an amazing job. Really, I don't have the time, honestly, to go through all the initiatives that she's been involved with that are all about producing the best possible products in the best possible way. But we will touch on a lot of that in just a second when we return with Grape Encounters. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure, those health nuts are actually dry farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine, walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMOrganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMOrganics.com, eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. Welcome back to Grape Encounters. Did you know that in Old England, the word grape actually means berry? However, back in the day, grapes didn't want to be lumped in with raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, strawberries, and so on. So they refrained from going by the name grapeberry. That's what we love about grapes, always thinking. And we're thinking it would be a very good idea to turn Dave's mic back on. David? back with Grape Encounters Radio talking about the month of October because it's been designated California Farmer and Farm Worker Month. And I know those of you who listen in other parts of the country are going, hey, what's with the California thing? You know, what's with the California thing is there's a pretty good chance that something on your plate came from California. A really big chance, as a matter of fact, and we're talking to the state's secretary of the Department of Food and Agriculture, Karen Ross. And Karen, I came across some numbers that just kind of blew my mind, talking about the amount or percentage of certain products that come from California. And I was like shocked, like 99% of artichokes come from California. 99% of walnuts? What? Really? And here's the real weird one. 97% of kiwis come from California. Now, hang on a second. How come they've led us to believe that kiwis come from New Zealand? (laughs) It's like, I guess it's the New Zealanders that are doing that, right? That's what they want you to believe, that a kiwi fruit is from New Zealand. How about 97% of plums, 95% of celery, 95% of garlic, and if you don't believe it, smell our breath, 89% of cauliflower, 
71% of spinach, 69% of carrots. Is that about right, those numbers? It's about right. I think there's about 80 crops where we're at least 90% or more of the country's production. Wow, it's amazing. So blessed with the climate that we have to be able to grow what's not easily grown in other states and in some cases, few countries. I did notice, however, that potatoes is not on the list. So but we do grow potatoes. I know we do grow potatoes, but Idaho, I think you're doing okay there. They're safe. Although, you know, it's really funny is it, I don't know if you've ever seen the ad campaigns for Idaho because they're making some great wines in Idaho and I got to give them credit for it. There's a commercial campaign where the guy is standing out in the middle of a potato field and he says, I know, I know, I know people think that the only thing that matters that comes from Idaho is wine. But no, we also grow potatoes here. $7.47 billion in milk? Is that possible? It's absolutely possible. Don't tell Wisconsin. They're still mad that we're the largest milk producer in the country. About 20% of the country's milk comes out of California. All right. So let's talk about water for a second. We have to talk about water. We've had literally drought year after drought year after drought year. One of the things that I do think is impressive, it's true with wine and it's true, I'm sure, with other crops as well. Every year we get better and better at growing great crops with less and less water water. When you all come in with your Egg McMuffins and cup of coffee in the morning and sit down and talk about the various subjects that fall under your purview, I'm guessing water's like way up there near the top of the list, if not at the top of the list. It's definitely at the top of the list. We can't grow animals or plants without water. So it's very important that we treat it like the precious resource that it is. And the good news is, thanks to the wonderful universities we have here, the innovative people and the technology companies we have here, we've made remarkable progress in reducing our water use and using every drop more efficiently. According to the Public Policy Institute of California, over the last decade, we in agriculture have applied 14% less water that increased our productivity by 38% because we're using it so precisely. Right amount, right time, right place. That's a pretty remarkable statistic. This number just blew me away that California is the largest food producer and yet has less than 4% of the country's farms. That's correct. That is mind-blowing to me. Basically, what that's saying is these farms are so incredibly productive that even when it's just a little teeny tiny percent of land and sheer numbers of farms, they still outproduce everybody else. How does that work? Well, a big part of that, again, comes back to innovation and having the research and being able to apply it. But it's also because in our climate, all those specialty crops that you went through when you're talking about 97% of this and 99% of that, those specialty crops are very high value. So what we're growing here has very high value. We really continue to improve our practices to optimize our resources to get the highest and best quality and productivity. And the people that are in this industry, they're constantly adapting out in the fields and the orchards. They're constantly investing in the best processes. They use the best practices. And this is why it's very important in October, we celebrate farmers and farm workers because it's harvest time. We wouldn't get to harvest if it worked for those farm workers and all the tasks that they do in the fields and the farmers who farm right alongside with them and make the investments to help make it happen. So we've got all the right ingredients, David. We've got it all, right? 
right here in California. And we're very fortunate to have the resources that we do and the innovation that we do and the commitment of people who are passionate about farming and creating food for people that we do. How are we doing in terms of capturing more water today versus 10 years ago? I know there are some pretty significant watersheds now that have come onto the scene in fairly recent years. Are we doing a much better job now? Do we need to be 60% better, 20% better? Where do we stand? So on a statewide basis, we passed a proposition 10 years ago that was the first one in 40 years that included significant water storage funding that's being invested as we speak. And that includes above ground storage and more importantly, what's possible by storing water underground. And so that's where a lot of the focus is, is how do we capture what in climate change will be these atmospheric rivers to prevent flooding? How do we capture those peak flows and store it underground so that we can pump it up later and still maintain balance in our aquifers? We've learned a lot more about water recycling, and we have a long ways to go to be able to capture that, recycle it, repurpose it, reuse it. We need to take better care of our forests because quite truthfully, if we take care of our entire watershed, taking care of our forests actually makes more water available on the valley floor. So we have to really think about every drop, every setting. It's not one thing. It's a menu of all of the above. So being able to recycle, to be able to capture, to be able to store underground, to be able to move it and prevent floods and take care of our forests so that we can release more of that water from those watersheds are all going to be part of our future. And we're making substantial investments in that. But a lot of these investments happen at the regional level. And that's where a lot of the new money is flowing to those regions. So I'm absolutely fascinated with the subject of underground storage. I'm curious about what it looks like underground. I did a story a couple of weeks ago about underwater storage in the Central Valley. And I was a little disturbed, I must say, that there's a corporation that actually controls more of that particular aquifer. So what's the deal with private-public partnerships? Those partnerships are absolutely necessary. There'll never be enough state resources to do it or federal resources to do it. And here's where we now, after the last drought, have a law in the books that really does provide a state role in really making sure that we're not over-pumping those aquifers. Okay. And that we are building them up by capturing excess flows when they're available to bring them into balance because that's our savings account for this drought and the future droughts. And we have had a history until 2014 when we passed the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act of continually to take more out of the aquifers than we were putting back in. Okay. And so now we have a law in the books. We're letting it be controlled by locals because you can't do a one-size-fits-all in California. To be able to, over 20 years, bring those aquifers into balance to ensure that we have water security, that's also key to our food security for future generations. So it's a very aggressive push forward. I will say I'm not sure which one of the many companies you could be talking about, but there, there are huge investments required to make these water banks come to fruition and to be able to maintain them as a shared resource for those local communities. Okay, we're going to come back to the farmers in just a second, but I got to do a little uh, break thing here. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters and our Secretary of Food and Agriculture in the state of California, Karen Ross. We'll be back right after this. If you're a winemaker or a grape grower, you need to hear this. 
Pure Fresh Wines patented O3 technology provides unique benefits to your wine by treating grapes pre-crush. It removes sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides, reduces bad bacteria and mold, helps limit and avoid stuck fermentations, improves taste, color, ripening, and stability, and pre-cools grapes for an improved fermentation process. The O3 naturally turns into oxygen when the process is finished, without any chemicals or residue. Leading winemakers aren't shy about confirming the benefits of using Pure Fresh Wine's process to significantly improve wine quality and approachability. Ready to have your best harvest yet? Visit purefreshwine.com today or we'll get you connected when you contact us via the grapeencounters.com website. These days, it is critically important for you to like us on our Facebook group page or any other social media you connect with us on. Those likes help keep us going strong. Also, if you're listening to us on a podcast, please consider writing a review or giving us a thumbs up or five stars. It's what enables us to take you on trips around the world and share things about wine that are often overlooked. Thanks for being a part of the family. into Total Wine and More, and you may just pinch yourself. With over 13,500 hand-picked wines, spirits, and beer, there's something delicious to discover around every corner. And their friendly guides are right by your side, eager to help you pick up the slack in your wine rack, or recommend a bottle or two to match your menu. A crisp Pinot Grigio pairs with shrimp scampi, or even potato salad. Bold cabs with balanced tannins bring out the best in Korean short ribs and a bacon cheeseburger. Sip a sparkling rosé when you're serving salmon any which way. When it comes to what's in store, you'll find all your faves. Always at the best prices in town. So, what'll it be today? Choose curbside pickup, in-store pickup, shipping or delivery. Explore more in store or at TotalWine.com. has been around for 8,000 years. But if you happen to have any bottles that old in your cellar, you might want to drink them sooner than than later. Actually, if you've got 8,000-year-old bottles in your cellar, they're fakes. Bottles didn't show up until the 17th century, so you might want to just put those pseudo-relics on eBay with a proper disclosure, of course. Anyway, let's continue with a show that never tries to fake you out. Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues. You know, I just realized that if you're going to talk about California agriculture and go beyond talking about wine and grapes, that you better have about 10 hours or so to do a show. It's just incredible how much there is to talk about with the Secretary of California's Department of Food and Agriculture, Karen Ross. Thank you so much, and I really appreciate you being on, and I just can't even imagine how difficult your job is. Let's talk about the farm workers and the farmers for the rest of this show. One thing that always troubles me is that I think that we as a community, and I'm talking about the community of human beings, Americans, 
I think that we don't really have in perspective how important the hardworking farm workers are to us. And, you know, there's all kinds of class stuff or ethnicity stuff that enters into the picture. And all you have to do is go out to any strawberry field or vineyard or whatever, and you sit and you watch the absolutely amazing job that these people do and just say to yourself, I'm glad it's them and not me. Most of us don't want to work that hard and we just owe such a debt of gratitude to the folks who are willing to be out there in the fields. Where do we stand right now in terms of domestic labor versus labor that comes from other countries? And is there a program like a guest worker program or anything that's really working really well for the state? I don't know that I understand it completely. Great questions, David. Obviously, we're extremely dependent on hand labor for many, many, many of our crops in California. And many people will say, well, those are low paying jobs. They're low education jobs, but they're very highly skilled, which you've already observed. We have increasingly a shortage of people that are available to work in the field. And there's a whole long list of reasons, including we have an aging workforce, those people who have been in the state for quite some time. And so in the past eight years in particular, we've seen a significant increase in the utilization of a program called H2A, which is a temporary ag worker program. It's a pretty onerous regulatory process to go through because, you know, in ag, we harvest when Mother Nature says it's time. And then we've got very perishable crops and you have to give plenty of advance notice of when you're going to need people, how you're going to recruit people. You have to have advertised that there are no people available. You have to guarantee safe housing, safe transportation on top of a prevailing wage. And so we have increased the use of that program. But I would tell you one thing that would be very, very important for us in this country is to have immigration reform that would have some way for those who have been here with improper documents to be able to earn their citizenship, but also combined with that, a truly much more workable guest worker program for people who would like to come here seasonally and return home. We still get the vast majority of our workers from Mexico further and further south in in Mexico, further and further into Central America. And we are also seeing a significant increase in the investment for automation. That's one thing we anticipate we won't be able to have enough, attract enough people. And so we want to free up people to do what has to be done by hand, but also train them for the automation jobs and the programming jobs of what automation and technology is going to bring to us. Sorry for the long answer, but it's not a one size thing. (laughs) And I I mentioned earlier that I used to be on the radio down in the Coachella Valley. And I remember somebody showing me something that I thought was really cool. It was a blueprints for housing for guest laborers. And it was really nice, you know, it was like a nice place to sleep and nice central kitchens and clean, wonderful facilities so that they weren't living out of an automobile or in tents or anything like that. It makes so much sense to me. We should treat these people who are doing an extraordinary thing for us. When you think about how affordable produce is at the market, you may say it's expensive, but it's affordable. And it's affordable because of the work that these folks do, the least that we can do 
is give them exceptional living conditions while they do the hard work that they do. Yeah, and there's some wonderful facilities throughout the state. Employers, you know, are very cognizant of trying to provide the best and safest facilities possible. And I think one of the reasons I'm so proud of California Grown is for creating this October is a time to celebrate, honor, and respect farmers and farm workers. I think it came about during COVID because we all recognized how dependent each one of us are on those people that do that kind of work. And so I think it's just really a wonderful way of paying tribute to the people who allow all of us to have the lifestyle that we have and good food and wine. (laughs) All right, let's talk about the farmer for a second in the last couple of minutes that we have here. There is no question that we are having difficulties these days getting younger people into farming or to follow in their parents' and grandparents' footsteps And it's harder and harder and harder to keep the family farm going. What are we doing about that? How do we fix that? Well, one is that I think it's important that we honor people who do the kind of jobs that many of us don't want to do and really show that respect and to really understand what does it take to grow and harvest food that we all depend upon and to have that deeper understanding. And then I also have to reassure people that all of our ag colleges, whether it's Cal Poly, UC Davis, Fresno, their ag schools are bursting at the seams of young people who are very fascinated by agriculture. And so I see new energy, new talent. Quite truthfully, I'm very, very excited and optimistic about our future because I think agriculture is sexy and we're selling that. I mean, why not have something as meaningful as growing food and doing something that every other citizen needs? Karen Ross, Secretary of California's Department of Food and Agriculture. Thank you so much. I sure appreciate it. And anybody that would be interested in learning more, where do we point them? CaliforniaGrown.org. CaliforniaGrown, all one word, .org. They'll find all kinds of resources there. They'll find information about all of the crops that we grow. They'll find a beautiful calendar of the seasonality of the crops. There's even coloring books for kids. It's a wonderful website. All right, that is going to do it for Grape Encounters today. October will continue to be California Farmer and Farmworker Month, and we will be back here with you next week. We'll see you then. This edition of Grape Encounters has been brought to you by Total Wine & More. It's hard to imagine a more satisfying wine-related experience. Spend all the time you want at TotalWine.com or at your nearest store. Just make sure you're back here with me at this same time next week for another Grape Encounter.